Hi, this is Jay Wilkin, and you're listening to the first installment of my new podcast, Movie Battles. This episode covers LGBTQ film and their representation within the media. According to the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, of the 110 films Glad counted from the major studios in 2019, 18.2% contained characters identified as LGBTQ. This is a significant increase of 5.4% from the previous year. For the first time in the report's history, there were an equal number of films which included gay and lesbian characters. In order to give a greater context to this representation, we will be reviewing two of the most popular releases for teens in the category of LGBTQ films, Call Me By Your Name and Booksmart. Say hi to Hannah Crawl, friend of the pod. Hi, guys. I just love saying friend of the pod. It makes me feel <laughs> so professional. All right. So the first movie we're going to talk about today is Call Me By Your Name. It was released in 2017 with an R rating, and it is a drama slash romance directed by Luca Giordano. I probably should have learned how Guillermo. to pronounce it. It's Guillermo. It's not Guillermo. It's yes. Giordino. Guadagnino from Sony Pictures Classic. It tells the story of the 1980s Italy where a romance blossoms between a seven-year-old student a 17-year-old student and the older man hired as his father's research assistant. It was the Oscar winner for Best Adapted Screenplay as well as being nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, and Best leading actor their army hammer and timothy chalamet and received a 95 percent on rock and tomatoes one of the shining parts of call me by your name was definitely the cinematography i think even in general outside of the love story like even if you didn't like that aspect it's a stunning movie like they were filming in southern italy and it it gives you like what's that word when you want to go travel somewhere like Wonderlust. It literally yes. gives you Wonderlust. Like you want to be in Southern Italy with Timothy Chalamet, like swimming in his long, rich people pool. And like it was so, so perfect. Yeah. I mean, it really, it's so good at doing just that. Um, afterwards, I remember watching it and going, hmm, when can I go to Southern Italy? Yeah, literally, it like it rose to almost the top of my bucket list. Japan's still number one, but like now, Southern Italy <laughs> is like second or third. Yeah, it's up there. But the question we are addressing today is which has the better representation? So I've been looking through some criticisms for Call Me by Your Name, and it is certainly not lacking in criticisms. So one of the mm. biggest problems that the movie totes is that there is a lack of intimacy, which seems very strange when you're talking about this film, because it seems so, the whole movie is so beautiful and so centered on romance and all of those actions between Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet. And yet, when it actually comes to particular scenes, there is an imbalance between Timothy's relationship with the girl in the movie and Army Hammer, and that some of those uh, scenes don't have the same visual cues. Like, you see a lot of them kissing and, you know, holding each other, but there isn't much more beyond that, which some people have taken as kind of reducing the love romance between the two. Well, my response to that would be, as someone who enjoys lots of films um if you look at the obvious inspirations for this film including maurice uh which was directed by uh, james ivory who wrote or co-wrote call me by your name um you look at his style and that's another gay love story movie similar to call me by your name but um it's less about the physical love i would say both movies and more about the intimate realization of one's sexuality through the what could be considered common interactions hand touch uh the brush of a foot um little things like that that um 
when coming to such an important realization uh, are more intimate than other things that can be done. I think for people saying that there's a lack of intimacy, they're not understanding the purpose or what is behind some of the smaller movements within the relationship. Yeah, I gotta say, when I was reading through the criticisms, I understood from a certain perspective, because there is a scene in the movie that does show a very physical relationship between the main boy, Oliver. No, he's not Oliver. The main boy, Elio, (laughs) and the girl. And there aren't those kind of scenes between Elio and Oliver. But at the same time, I feel like their relationship was so much about just that, that sensual chemistry, like those small small things that were happening than like anything like you didn't need that you know what I mean I felt like it was a directing choice but some people did not feel the same way sadly I would think I would gather to say that had they given a scene like that to Oliver and Elio it would have taken away a lot of what makes the romance in this movie so good it would have taken it from this emotional thing into like more physical than it should have been and taken away some of the greatness of uh the gentleness of the love in this movie yeah I totally agree but another criticism that came up in my readings was this idea that Elio and Oliver and their actual like sexuality and their identity never quite revealed according to this quote from Slate Though Elio and Oliver are also involved with women in the course of the summer, they don't ever discuss their history, their desires, their inhibitions, their hesitations, their joys, their heartbreaks. They're the most tacit of friends and the most silent of lovers, but rather in all likelihood, they're voluble and free-spoken as intellectually and personally and verbally intimate, as passionate about their love lives, as about the intellectual fires that drive them onward. But this movie doesn't show them sharing these things. And so because they don't make it clear about their actual identity, a lot of people say that this isn't even truly a gay film and that it's more about two possibly straight men just exploring their sexuality. I don't know if there's a problem with that. So what if it's a movie about two straight men experimenting with each other on a more emotional level? There's not a problem with that. Um, I think that's a very valid interpretation of the film. Personally, I think it's very obviously um, that, but also since we don't necessarily know what happens in the end, I would say there's possible that the two of them go on to love to be with women for the rest of their lives and have just that secret summer together. But I choose to believe that maybe they went off and they maybe not get together, but uh, Elio realizes something, uh, maybe that he is gay or whatever it may be, but I think either interpretation is valid and it doesn't take anything away from the film. It may add something. This idea that their love is so special, possibly, that they're just happy to have that for one summer. They don't need it again. I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, Actually, one article I was reading, which was kind of responding to all of that criticism from the medium, talked about how not this might be more of the Q part of LGBTQ, even though it's been touted as this like, like Oscar winning gay film. It seems to be a lot more questioning or even the main the main character of Elio really seems to be closer to bisexual, because he has that relationship with his girlfriend who we had before the summer began that kind of peters out towards the end of the film. But it never implies that that relationship was less real or less intimate to Elio. It's just, you know, that's not what's happening anymore in the story-wise. But it doesn't imply that he never liked women or won't like women again. No, exactly. I mean, maybe that's, that's the representation that we need. Maybe that's what this criticism of it not being gay enough shows that, hey, we need to think about the that there are bisexual people in the world and that, yes, they, Elio may be bisexual. It's a very valid point, and I think you can argue either way on such a topic like this. 
Hmm. Well, I also think it it comes off sometimes as, you know, these straight men exploring their sexuality because both of the actors are straight as well as the book. Actually, I didn't know before looking into it, but the book was written by a straight man. And so it's interesting the way that one of the only like mainstream like gay films in recent years I can think of like that I feel like everyone watched Call Me By Your Name Timothy Chalamet is like a teen idol now you know that didn't happen with like Moonlight or some of those other films um but to have mainly straight people besides the director be behind the scenes of the film is, is it does kind of confuse some of the representation I feel like you can feel it almost like as a gay person you can feel it sometimes you're like this is close but there's something lacking mm. which i find makes it more relatable to the masses as most people are straight it but it also adds something to the movie where it shows the confusion that the two main characters are going through it makes it more real that they hey they're coming to terms with who they may be or um, if we are going with them, they're straight and they didn't want, they were together and that was the only time. It still gives that questioning feeling that is so integral to the story. That is very true. Although, you know, when it comes to matters of representation, because remember, that is the essential question here. We're going to be picking one yes. as the better representation. When it comes to that straight outsider perspective, it it does make certain aspects of it just feel a little more like like a gender swapped story as opposed to a true gay love story. Like a lot of these actions, like there people talk about that there is some bit of a fundamental difference between relationships between same sex couples and different or differently sexed, opposite sex. Yeah. <laughs> opposite yes. opposite sex couples. And that that should be celebrated and embraced and not necessarily feared or judged. And it kind of lacks a little bit of that. Like some, some of it just feels like, okay, like you could have really written the same script and just had Elio been a girl, you know? Oh, oh 100%. That is 100% an issue in the movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are certain points where uh, I watched a video talking about call me by your name um and they literally did an animated version where elio was a female and they said the scene is the exact same there's no difference between this scene where elio is a female and this scene where elio is a man Mm -hmm. it is the same feeling you get the same emotion so that is a really valid point that there is not that fundamental difference between same-sex couples that exists in real life. Mm -hmm. One person from The Advocate said, uh, it hardly seems gay in any dynamic sense other than the sexual organs of its two leads. And it, it comes like, is that necessarily a problem when it comes to representation? Do we necessarily need it to be enveloped in like not only that sense of a gay relationship or like gay culture in general but also this movie was supposed to take place in the 1980s we know the 1980s was the AIDS epidemic and it takes place I think technically the book is like 83 or 85 and clearly there should be some reference to that from a purely like historical point of view and there just isn't and they kind of just exist in this kind of post-gay utopia where like no one really cares homophobia doesn't really exist like they're uncomfortable for a bit but you could also say that's just because of the age difference you know it's taboo but it's never frowned upon and they never receive consequences. But is that a problem? Is that is that a good thing that like, well, society has started to progress the need past those kind of barrier gay films where gay people have to be seen in a tragic light constantly? Or is that a problem when you're doing a film that's supposed to take place in a certain part of history and you just want to ignore it? Well, I think there's... There's two kind of gay movies. There are the ones like Call Me By Your Name that live in this homophobia-free world where it's not really an issue. And you see that with a lot of romance films. 
And then there's the opposite of the spectrum, which is the realistic, the gritty homophobia still exists if it happens in the modern time. They show the homophobia in the past. I think there's room for both movies, but um, I think Call Me By Your Name obviously is the more perfect utopia area, but I think we need both movies, both types of movies in the world because you need gay people to feel like they have a way to see themselves happy something to aim for and not just oh look another gay person getting made fun of and then dying Mm. you need both but it is a very very valid criticism that it's just another homophobia doesn't exist especially in the aids epidemic homophobia ran rampant more i believe saw a statistic that said that more gay people were injured or died due to hate crimes in during the peak peak of the AIDS epidemic than there did in any year following the quote-unquote cure of AIDS. Mm -hmm. So it it is very difficult um, to see a movie take place in the 80s and not even mention once the AIDS epidemic, but because it was so real. Um, But we need movies like that, too, that allow the escapism. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, I think overall, I I think Call Me By Your Name does struggle with representation in some aspects. But it is, I think Call Me By Your Name gave, like, a romance movie that was the most similar to a straight romance movie. And maybe that's kind of inherently a good thing. Like, it shows that we're starting to really bridge that gap. It's really starting to be normalized. Like, you know, maybe you do want more and more films to come out like that, where it's like, it's just a love story, you know? And people of any sexuality or anything can enjoy it. Timothy Chalamet really blasted his career off of this film. I think it's one of the first Missy Chalamet films to come out. Um, and he plays a, a, a queer character and he has full like relations with a man and yet all of like teenage girls are like, yay, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> like, it's just like very, it's very funny or it's very like good to know that like, you know, you can still be appreciated. Like, like that kind of feminization of a man would not have been appreciated like like 10, 20 years ago. Like if you played a gay character on screen, you probably wouldn't have been seen as desirable. You can still be seen as totally resi- desirable by straight women, even if you play these different characters that are like more feminine or whatever in these in these movies, which is cool. Hot take there. I believe that they're can be a problem with the way that some can be some straight women feel about Timothy Chalamet there as much as we talk about the fetishization of lesbian women there is a fetishization of gay men and I think that there is some of that present there is some of that present in the Timothy Chalamet craze that we're seeing as he is himself um, more on the feminine side. Um, so I think it kind of, there's a weird reverb from Call Me By Your Name onto Timothy Chalamet and mm-hmm. a slightly more feminine pers- person, which then shows some of that, how we fetishize someone who is perceived as possibly that, that being gay, even though he true. is straight. You, you do? Okay, I I apologize for trying to block your point. That is kind of true. But also at the same time, I feel like that original, <laughs> I feel like it really hit its peak in like 2012 or 2013 or something where like, you know, like gay baiting for queer people, like um, just like was consumed so much by straight women. Like you look at yeah. Teen Wolf or like, I didn't even watch that show, but I remember like the the two best friends on there that was a big thing supernatural i think even though they were brothers or something i might cut the part out supernatural has a lot of that queer baiting but not queer baiting of queer people like it's traditionally done but queer baiting of young teenage straight girls yeah so yeah 
um in those kinds of relationships that we previously saw portrayed in media it was two hyper masculine men who were involved in these relationships together and you didn't really see the presence of necessarily the more feminine gay man unless he was portrayed as the best friend with no love interest because people weren't interested in that you know because from from a traditional female gaze looking on the fetishization of gay men ideally you'd want two masculine men who could also love you but love each other and like that's what you like to look at but like timothy chalamet breaks that mold because he is a feminine looking man and he takes on more of that submissive role in his relationship with army hammer um in the film and like i feel like that breaks the mold a little bit like it's not i feel like it's a little different like i totally see what you're saying but i do feel like it's still progress because especially now that you see like boys on tiktok like painting their nails and like they're wearing jewelry and earrings and like are more interested in that feminine way of being. It's more of an embrace of femininity that I don't think necessarily is associated with the fetishization of gay men in the traditional sense. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I I mean, yes, as much as I say that I have a little bit of an issue as to how it was received, I think Mm. it was so important that it was received so well that Timothy Chalamet was received so well because statistically, historically, when there's been an important or a well-received gay subtext or um, real text film, book, or something, um, you, you see the likelihood of someone who fits that mold, uh, a masculine queer person or whatever it may have been from that piece of media, likelihood of them getting uh bullied or assaulted or whatever goes down significantly so i think seeing that more feminine queer man has yeah for sure and i also think that like maybe i'm trying to i'm trying to think of an example but like i really can't necessarily but i feel like 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 10 years ago like if you were like straight men didn't necessarily always want to play gay characters and I feel like now it could like it literally like it doesn't matter like you can play those types of characters and still be casted in other roles like you're not stuck in that box and you can still be seen as you can play the the young gay character in a film like call me by your name and then still get roles like the king for for now or play the teen heartthrob in like that summer movie i don't even know what that movie was called i did not watch it but like that summer movie he was in yeah but like you can you can do a lot more than you previously could and i think that's good Yeah, but next up, we're going to be talking about another mainstream movie that caught a lot of attention, especially with teens. And this one is Book Smart. So it was released in 2019 with an R rating and is a comedy from United Artists Releasing. On the eve of their high school graduation, two academic superstars and best friends realize they should have worked less and played more. Determined not to fall short of their peers, the girls try to cram four years of fun into one night. Now, this received a Golden Globe nomination for Best Performance by an Actress in a Comedy, and the leading actresses are Caitlin Dever and Beanie Fieldstein, with a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. I also had no idea that Beanie Fieldstein was Jonah Hill's younger sister. Which, like, yes. after discovering it, I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. But also, like, what? Like, that's weird. It, there, I, the Golden Globes red carpet, um, she was on the red carpet with him. Oh. And it hit me like a truck. Yeah, that that's just it's strange it's a little strange i just never expected that so yeah you can give me some general thoughts on it just as a movie of book smart i liked it this i watched it very recently for the first time and i don't know why i avoided seeing it in the theaters like i remember watching the trailer and being like oh i don't want to see it and then after watching it i was like no that was like fun like, it was a fun high school romp. It felt very now. Like, I also go to a competitive high school. So I feel like 
it was like seeing people who act like that is like very relatable like I know those people so it's all real like all the articles kept like oh it's a Gen Z film which like I hate when people say things are Gen Z (laughs) but like it is very much a Gen Z film it was cute I messed with it I really enjoyed Booksmart as a whole movie um, I thought it was hilarious. I thought the two leads that worked so well together. Um, I love the TV show Last Man Standing. So I'm very familiar with Caitlin Denver and her witty, um, snappy sort of comedy style, which I love. Um, and I think she's a great actress. Um, and I love uh, Amy and Molly's, the way that they bicker and they talk. Yeah, um, they have a really fun I dynamic. Find- That's like it was one of that was a very realistic female friendship, like to watch. Yes, yes, I felt like I was like that. That could be me and my best friend, just going back and forth. Yeah, they were just it, they. It all felt real, which was like nice to see because you are fed constantly this like random teen show, like Riverdale or like the Society, <laughs> that are like really fun. You're just like who are these people like I've never met these types of people I don't know who they are like I everyone in Booksmart I was like yeah like I can find an equivalent to that person in my real life yeah which I which was one of my favorite parts of the movie is as a high school senior watching that movie you sit there and you're like I could I could do this this could happen I could be Amy or Molly and maybe not yeah, yeah but you know what I mean <laughs> have that wild ride and you know these people and you're sitting there and you're going oh I know a GG mm-hmm. like it's very yeah yeah it was definitely it, it hit the nail on the head Olivia Wilde I, I forgot to mention her as a director I don't know why I did that but this was was this her first time directing I'm asking you even though I should know I think I it was. can't remember I think it was her first major sure. film i think she's directed before okay yeah that. but certainly certainly her first big blockbuster like this to be released in like every theater yes. or whatever but she did a great job so hats off but book smarts criticisms okay i actually have a problem with some of them because i feel like a lot of the things that book smart got praised for were some of the same things that people hated on and call me by your name but we can compare them after. But I just want to keep that in the front of your mind when we're talking about it. The first one is that people really enjoyed the way that Amy is treated in the film. Like, kind of how they were talking about how uh, Call Me By Your Name exists in this post-gay utopia. So does this film, but in a very out-proud and accepted way. So the movie gives equal attention to Amy's crushes as it does to Molly's crushes on boys. Amy is the one of the main characters who is gay. And her female positivity towards Amy's character, um, like Molly, kept encouraging her to go after these girls and that that was like really special to watch on screen. Yeah, I mean, I love the relationship between Amy and Molly, and especially in how they encouraged each other. Um, I love the scene where Molly is convincing Amy to go ask uh, Ryan out at the beginning-ish area of the film. Um, and Amy kind of awkwardly shuffles over there, and Molly is joking with her, like, well, I'll go ask Ryan out. I'll do it if you're not going to. I think that shows what it is like post coming out um, realistically with people, especially now. I mean, honestly, there is homophobia in the world, but um, a lot of times gay people can then settle in and you don't deal with homophobia every single day of your life. So I, I think it's realistic, but it is a little utopia, Mm -hmm. utopian. I mean, I think there are becoming more and more pockets where it it just doesn't exist and it's just very common and no one makes a big deal. Um, And again, like, I I like the way that no one, like, there wasn't that traditional type of bullying where, like, someone's pushing you down in the hall or whatever that we've seen in teen movies and shows a million times before. There is no one mean girl who all she ever does is just, like, I don't know, walk the halls with, like, two 
minions and that like there's none of that um yes. which again yes. is just like Olivia Wilde it feels like she knows what's happening in high school now um so that was I feel like yes it was realistic for for our time period now which is good and also I realized after like reading more stuff that there is a scene in the movie that's an all-gender restroom and like watching the film I was like slightly confused because there is that scene where the two boys are talking about Molly and calling her like mean and annoying or whatever and they're the girl who's like talking with them and I was like are they just in the girl's bathroom and no one cares but like I feel like that was an all-gender restroom and that was very like casual I wasn't trying to like like virtue signal anything it was just like this exists in some high school then it exists in this high school and everyone's cool with it that's the kind of representation i feel like it's really 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 good well yeah as someone who goes to a school with multiple all-gender restrooms that's a common sight there have been times where i've walked into the bathroom not realizing it was one of the all-gender bathrooms and seeing a guy washing his hands and it is weird at first but it becomes kind of a casual part of your day and your life. And I really appreciated that scene. It was like, oh, yeah, like, there will be guys and girls talking in the bathroom. It's not that weird. Yeah. I mean, I know at North, we have, I think we have two now, two gender-neutral restrooms, um, which, you know, people make certain comments about those restrooms that aren't necessarily the best. But, like, it is, it is starting to become very much a just normal occurrence of everyday life and that was it was good to see that kind of stuff you know pretty cool yes. pretty good and then also at the very end of the movie amy is like gets kind of a happy ending with her crush which we'll talk about more in a second but like to see okay to see like something end happily you know like, they still like each other. It, it's There's very no super huge obstacle or barrier. There's still hope that they'll get together, possibly in an alternate scenario in the end. Like, it's not, it's not like a, oops, you thought. Yeah, it's very awkwardly yeah. perfect, the ending. It makes so much sense in the story. Yes, it, do- it definitely does. So now another great thing that Booksmart was praised for um, was the authenticity and intimacy. So a major like general criticism in a lot of LGBT films is the fact that whenever lesbians are on screen, it becomes sort of this hyper-sexualized like, event for potentially more for the male gaze than for anyone who's watching who is actually queer or gay or whatever um and they do have a love scene amy and the it was actually like she was kind of a surprise love interest hope yeah hope um who i didn't even realize i didn't remember her from the beginning of the film i'm gonna be very real like, when she was in the bathroom and being mean to Amy, I was like, I don't know why she's being mean to her. Have we seen her before? Do we know this girl? But I, I realized, like, she was in the classroom scene. Like, I did not remember her. And then they have this cute little moment that feels very, like, definitely not for the male gaze, definitely realistic and just very, like, open and authentic about this is how it is sometimes. I... Again, as a gay person, I really, really loved that scene in the movie. I thought it was so authentic and real. This, It's awkward. Like, at first, it's very romanticized, and you have, like, this intense moment, and then it almost devolves into this awkward, where, where do I put my hand, what do I do moment, which feels so real, which you don't get in gay, especially lesbian scenes like that. I mean, you have <laughs> movies like Blue is the Warmest Color, where you have a 20-minute scene that is uncomfortable no. for everyone watching a it's very real and it's very this is for actual high schoolers this is for actual 
gay high schoolers and straight high schoolers to see and say, oh, yeah, that's what it's like. That's what it feels like, that awkward air around you, but also loving every minute of it. It's very nitty gritty, but not yeah, like it's way. definitely like I don't even think it gets to an explicit moment. Like it just like I think at that point, Amy ends up throwing up on the other girl um and she's like I need you to get away from me right yes. now which I that moment I just like loved hope like I was like oh my god that felt like she's trying to be nice but also she's like I need you to walk away from me right now and that that moment in general is just so relatable like oof I, I felt that um but yeah it yeah. was definitely definitely a very very progressive scene because I feel like even in regular teen movies with straight couples like like, sometimes there's that, like, awkwardness, but it's, like, more played up for jokes and, like, the women are still always, like, very put together and still, like, oh, like, I know what I'm doing. I'm just waiting for you. Like, the boys are always portrayed as kind of, like, awkward and dorky, but the girls always know what they're doing. And as a girl, you just don't always know what you're doing. And it, it felt good to just be like, okay, cool. So, like, this is how it was for everyone. Yeah, I mean, if you look at shows like Riverdale which we mentioned earlier every single scene like that it is this crazily beautiful lighting perfect everything it's like it's not like that for yeah and they're just yeah those I love Riverdale like just because it's like the it it is a parody of the parody of teen fantasy like it's just all the way up yeah but um, yeah, definitely shows the contrast between a film like this and and Riverdale. But again, yes. to talk about some of the behind-the-scenes representations in these movies, it was actually very interesting. I could not, for the life of me, find out if Caitlin Denvers is actually gay. Is she actually gay? Do you know? So, no one knows okay. officially. You have a theory. But uh-huh. I will tell you. She has been historically spotted with, she has her best friend and then a close friend who it is very easy to presume may be more than a friend. She's, she yes, totally gal has pal. a gal pal. Okay, very it. interesting. So potentially Amy is actually represented yes. by a person from the community. Um, but Diana Silvers, who plays Hope, that the girl that Amy eventually has that love scene with, um, was actually, she said she identified as straight certainly before the movie. And then after the movie, she's more in the field of, well, I'm young and I might not know. But like probably, probably straight. Um, which is again, like, sorry, but yes, probably she does. Um, which is interesting again to to look at all of these actors who are playing these, who supposedly will one day most likely be iconic gay roles, and Olivia Wilde herself in the OC yes. played a lesbian that became very iconic for people. And it brings back to the conversations that I think everyone on the internet was having back in like 2017 with Scarlett Johansson playing a trans character. How how much longer can we do the straight actors playing gay characters thing? Like, is there a point where that's impeding on representation where like we get it, it's acting, you play people that you aren't and that's part of like the the presence of it all but shouldn't we be giving those opportunities to other people do you think it hurts this film in any way i don't think it hurts this film because the actors in it under seem to understand on a different level the the what it's like to be gay in high school even if they aren't actually gay themselves they seem to have definitely I hate to say done research, but maybe talk to people or literally done research. What they seem to be trying their best to give true representation, which to me, I don't think. Let me start there. I strongly do not think only mm-hmm. queer people should play queer characters. I think that is terrible and will wreck lgbt representation and will be a stain on the history of queer films if that happens 
So, but I do think that as a straight person playing a queer character, you need to mm. do it with respect. Well, I think the actors definitely do, like you said, they do a great job of representing that. And, you know, like from, from their own perspective, from the script, it, it was written primarily by straight women. Um, and yet you see the kind of representation that you haven't seen, even from some queer films written by queer people. But I think there does come to a certain point where, especially now that we're getting into these more progressive films with better and better representation that you're starting, you got to ask at some point, you know, how much longer are these roles going to be played by straight people? And I, I agree that not every role needs to be played by a person of that demographic. But it's like, you know, like at some point, you should we should be advocating for that more strongly not necessarily is the only option but an option that hollywood needs to start presenting because it just seems like as i i talked earlier in the intro about um the rise of representation based on the glad report in 2018 and i'm sure that most of those representations were from straight people and yes, you have that visibility, but if you want more accurate representation, I think you're going to need more actors from that particular background. Oh, yes. I mean, some of my personal favorite queer movies have one or both leads who are queer themselves. Um, and I think that's so important. But Again, as much as I do agree that, you know, queer people should be playing queer people whenever possible, I also think you have to look at queer people like popular yeah. actress Ellen Page. She is queer, she's played queer roles, but she also plays straight roles. So then what is it to say if we're saying straight people shouldn't play queer roles that queer people shouldn't say straight play straight roles? I think we need to think about what consequences might come from it and that gay actors don't just want to play gay roles and that they then may be forced to play gay roles because honestly there are there are more straight people in this world than gay people and then you have only a handful of people that are good actors and then you only have a handful of people that are good at a certain type of acting then you have less people who would be good for a certain role the odds of you getting a gay person who can cover all of those other bases is so low. I think we can't limit gay actors and movies about gay people to then being three types of gay people playing the same three types of gay roles because that's all they can do and that's all that's very, very that true. can be written yeah, for them. I, th I think there definitely has to be a balance that is struck. And then finally, to bring up yes. the Rhea... On 100%. book smarts criticisms um it again to to me at least kind of had that same idea of a bit of a questionable identity that is not purely gay or not purely lesbian even in uh amy's not well in amy's case she is clearly a lesbian but ryan who is amy's crush throughout the film until you know she has that scene with hope that's after we discover that ryan who is this very very masculine looking girl and she has like short hair she has a nose ring she wears kind of like baseball teeth and rides a skateboard and very male masculine presenting and then it shows towards the end of the film as part of its climax that she ends up kissing molly's crush who is this like very popular boy at the school and that was like such that was really a good moment. And there are a couple moments like that in the film. Like Hope isn't really identified as gay at first either. Where it's just like people are really just whatever they want to be. You know, and you can't make assumptions. And there's like a multitude of things that people are interested in. And are that like aren't necessarily the way that they first present. And I think that was a very fun and like informative twist for a lot of people. Oh, it was 100% a very interesting twist for me. I mean, personally, I was sitting there, I'm like, oh, this is great. We, I mean, when we first meet Ryan and we find out that Amy has a crush on Ryan, I was like, oh, finally, a, a queer movie where the main queer character isn't pining after some straight 
woman and it's like this unrequited love and then to have that twist I was like whoa 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 yeah it it kind of makes you confront your own biases because like I think Molly literally makes some comment at the beginning of the film like well just look at her like she's probably a lesbian and you're like well it makes you confront that bias like well no maybe she I mean she could be bi she could be questioning whatever she could be but she is not automatically this label that you assign to her and that even and it also breaks that stereotype that you know oh if you cut your hair short like men aren't gonna like you or that whole thing like she she she's kissing a very popular boy at the school who they seem to be vibing with yeah i i remember after watching that being like oh maybe she isn't gay and it really again as a queer person who a lot of the time who does as a queer person who looks traditionally queer um a lot of the times you have to sit there and you have to think okay well you know maybe this person isn't queer just because they seem like it they may be considered traditionally queer they might not be and that's something that we as a society need to understand more and say like especially as uh in the queer community need to understand that not everyone who you think looks traditionally queer is going to be and I think that movie took that and brought it into not only the mainstream but brought it to the attention of the queer community yeah it was definitely like for lack of a better term like a hot take like I was like wow and it it doesn't it doesn't the movie doesn't even like like focus on it really it's just something that it kind of just like puts in there but like afterwards it leaves you thinking and I think that's what a lot of good movies do is it has a lot of themes to go with it didn't have time like to delve super into it but it leaves you with enough to be like oh wow maybe I need to reconfront my own biases and way of viewing things and yeah that's what all good movies do in my opinion it makes you reevaluate the world after you watch it through a slightly different lens and I think that was really cool So now that we have talked kind of extensively about both movies' criticisms, we return to the question, which which is which movie has a better representation? So on one side, we do have Call Me By Your Name, which is centralized on the gay love story. It has Elio and Oliver. They exist in this very beautiful, romanticized film. It, it won for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. It's not an easy win. And then on the other hand, you have Booksmart, which had this very authentic Gen Z modern age feel. Feels very current and contemporary. It is funny. It takes everything in stride. It feels very of the moment. Um, also got a Golden Globe nomination. So in your opinion... Which one do you think serves to better represent the community? As a high school aged female queer person, my immediate mm. answer, of course, is going to be book smart because I can see myself also as a white cisgendered person. I see myself in Amy and in Molly more than I do yeah. in Timothy Chalamet or Artie Hammer. So of course my answer is book smart for myself personally. But I think I think that is best for pure representation book smart is. Uh, I think book smart is best for the pure representation of what it is like to be queer. But I think Call Me By Your Name does such a very, very good job at showing something that book smart doesn't which is the route to accepting yourself and understanding yourself, which is something that every single queer person has to deal with. And I think that not just for myself, but I think in general, because of that fact, Call Me By Your Name is a better representation of the queer experience. Okay, that's interesting. I think I'd have to agree with you uh, at first glance. Being in high school, it's just so, so much about book smart is so relatable. And I think that it definitely has better representation for for people now. 
um, and how that all feels. But there is something to be said about the romance and Call Me By Your Name and how all-encompassing it feels and how it, it never shies away from any of that sensualness or even if the, they don't necessarily get super physically intimate on camera, you you feel like the heavy weight of that like first love that Timothy Chalamet is experiencing and going through and it's this beautiful setting and it it doesn't make it deviant or quiet or in the shadows at all like everyone even the family clearly knows about it um and are accepting of it like they let him go on a weird trip before he heads on a train to like say goodbye and the dad (laughs) has that scene with him and so I think if I had to pick a winner though just because I feel like Call Me By Your Name really loses points because it's set in the 80s. I feel like if it was set in, like, 2020, you know, it's just a rich kid, rich progressive liberals. He invites his architect friend over, you know, like that. You know, like, that would make more sense. But because of its time period, I just, I do think if you're going to set something in a certain time period, you need it to be realistic. If it was like an interracial couple in the 50s and they never addressed any of the possible problems with that, like, we'd be mad. So I feel like you have to, you have to have that if you're going to go for a period type piece. But definitely, I feel like both have really good parts to them. And I do still resent the way that Booksmart is like accredited for a lot of the things that call me by your name does as well they're like oh there's no homophobia and then they look at call me by your name they're like where is the homophobia yeah i think that's very interesting um i think that could just be the time period again as you said like you can kind of excuse a lack of a homophobia when a movie takes place in 2019 2020 it's a lot easier to say well they could just be in an area where there isn't that much homophobia, which where I, my high school there, yes, there is homophobia, but you can go two days without homophobia. Like it happens, but in the eighties, you couldn't go two days without homophobia, especially during the AIDS epidemic. You couldn't, if you even held a man's hand wrong, you could be considered gay and dirty and people would want to talk to you like that that to me is really what gets me is the fact that they don't talk about it and there's no impacts of the AIDS epidemic in the movie when it literally killed off a generation of yeah, gay people very true very true literally although um i do think that both movies do deserve a lot of the hype that they have received as being Excellent queer film. Thank you, Hannah Crawl, official Definitely. friend of the pod, for speaking with me today. you so much that was my first episode of movie battles and if that interested you continue to watch out for episode two on the most underrated decom thank you so much mm-hmm.